Hi there! Welcome to Explain This, a podcast where we try to explain complex things in simpler ways for people of all ages. I'm your host Jin Kim, and today we'll talk about how alcohol works to give us some of the best and worst nights of our lives. Let's get started. Ah, alcohol. Provider of good times, courage, and washing away the pains of life. But also, bringer of terrible hangovers, regrets, and overall, making a fool of yourself. Alcohol has some weird properties. When you first start drinking it, you feel a bit buzzed. It makes you feel happy and excited, while making you feel just a little bit more confident and relaxed. It's no wonder why they call it a social lubricant. It makes people's guards drop, act more naturally, and it can really liven the atmosphere at a social gathering. But the more you drink, the more the ugly side of alcohol rears its head. People get emotional and disinhibited, leading to anger, tears, and a lot of inappropriate behavior. I mean, if you've ever been to a work Christmas function, you know what I'm talking about. People lose their filter, and they can say hurtful things, or do embarrassing things that they're sure to regret the next day. Eventually, if you drink too much, you can't even walk or talk properly, which can result in some pretty serious injuries or even death. So how does alcohol work? Why does it do such funny things to our brains and bodies? Let's briefly go over it as if you're five years old. Bearing in mind that this podcast does not condone feeding five-year-olds alcohol, no matter how hilarious it may be to watch drunk children. Alright, so the easiest way to think of alcohol is that it's like a sleeping gas for your brain. Imagine that your brain is a huge factory with lots of different departments. Some parts of the brain make emotions, others make memories, and others make decisions like whether you should eat the ninth cookie or not. Alcohol goes around the brain and makes the workers fall asleep, so that they can't do their job properly. Now, alcohol is sneaky. It goes right for the top dog first. When you first start drinking, the first part of your brain that goes to sleep is the control center where all the thinking happens. Because you're not thinking as deep or straight, you feel more relaxed, you worry less, and you think less about the future, so everything feels more chill and straightforward. Which sounds good, but this also means that you make bad, silly decisions that might hurt you or the people around you. If you keep drinking, more people start falling asleep at the brain factory. The team that writes your memories into a library, they go to sleep, so you don't remember what you did while you were drinking. The team that control your talking also go to sleep, so you talk all weird and slurred and don't make any sense. You start walking funny and stumbling over because your balance has gone to sleep as well. Eventually, if too much of your brain falls asleep, well, then there's no one awake to keep your heart beating or your breathing going, so you die. Dun dun dun. But if you don't die, which is usually the case fortunately, you'll wake up the next day and your brain will be like, oh my god, I can't believe I slept all night! And they'll try to work overtime and this makes you feel really jittery. You're also super thirsty because you've lost a lot of water, so you just end up feeling absolutely trash and awful. Plus, the sleeping gas left behind a really stinky residue, so your body has to deal with cleaning up all that mess. And this is why mummy and daddy look like a pile of dog poop the morning after their date night. Yeah, I mean, serves them right for leaving you with the boring babysitter while they went out and had fun. Well, 
Welcome back. So we're going to go pretty deep into the topic of alcohol this episode. We'll talk about how alcohol affects the brain, how it affects our perception of the world, and what causes hangovers and Asian flushes. Oh, and for the sake of technicality, because everyone loves technicality, especially scientists, when I talk about alcohol in this episode, I'm specifically referring to the kind that you find in alcoholic drinks, ethanol. Pretty much most of the other kinds of alcohol, like methanol and ethylene glycol, yeah, they'll kill you dead in much smaller doses, so don't drink those. So whenever you hear alcohol in this episode, we're talking about ethanol, okay? Alright, moving on. So the easiest way to explain how alcohol works is that it acts as a downer. In technical terms, it's a central nervous system depressant, which is a very fancy way of saying that it reduces your brain activity. Your brain works like a super complicated computer with lots of switches. Some switches make your brain do more things, while others, they make the brain do less. Alcohol goes around the brain and activates the do less switches, which powers down the nerves. These are called GABA receptors, and it's also how sedatives like benzodiazepines work. The first part of your brain that gets powered down is the cerebral cortex. Now this is the part of the brain that really makes us human. It controls our higher order thinking, like planning for the future, discipline, making responsible decisions, and being rational. And this is why alcohol is a great social lubricant. It makes you overthink less. It makes you less afraid of consequences, so you act more natural and bold, while giving you confidence to take more risks. What a wonderful substance! But at the same time, the cerebral cortex is, you know, kind of extremely important. Not thinking about the long term means you might do stupid things like jumping off a roof into a shallow pool, breaking your neck, and leaving you paralyzed. It might mean that you insult your boss at a work party, or sleep with your best friend's ex, or getting someone pregnant. So that's the risk you take. You gotta balance the loosening effects of alcohol with having some control over your brain. Otherwise, you might screw up your life in all kinds of creative ways. Now in the past, we used to think that alcohol disinhibits you. And that's why you make bad decisions. Essentially, the thought was that because you don't have your rational side holding you back, you act recklessly and things like social norms, ethics, and all the virtues that make you a good person normally, yeah, they don't stop you anymore. So you act like an animal, literally. But in recent years, the thinking has changed a bit. Nowadays, we describe the effects of alcohol as making you short-sighted. This is the alcohol myopia theory. Myopia being the medical word for short-sightedness. What this means is that because your cerebral cortex has gone sleepy-by, you don't have the brain power to think globally. You focus only on what's happening immediately in front of you, while the background is all blurred out, like what happens when a short-sighted person isn't wearing her glasses. Because the background is blurred, you don't think of long-term considerations and consequences. You don't take context into account, and your understanding of your true self changes. So you become extremely reactive rather than proactive. This explains why when you're drinking, everything seems more vibrant. You're experiencing your immediate thoughts and feelings and sensations much more intensely. Because that's the only thing that you're aware of. Everything else is just crowded out of your brain. Now this sounds cool because it sounds like you're living in the moment, but in reality, that's like you're working with half a brain or like you've been lobotomized. For example, this explains why many people drunkenly call their ex or crush at 3am in the morning, because their immediate thought might be that they missed him or that they're feeling horny, while completely disregarding all the problems and incompatibilities and hardships they had as a couple. 
or not considering that their crush is in a happy relationship. So in short, alcohol makes us inconsiderate. So think about that the next time you're about to go OTP. What's the worst way your brain could betray you if you had no control? Alright, while we're on this joyful ride, let's get back to the downer effect of alcohol on your brain. After your cerebral cortex, what other parts of your brain get switched off? Firstly, pretty much everything in your brain gets turned down a notch. So you sense less things, including pain, sight, hearing, and awareness of your surrounding. This makes you react slower and get tunnel visioned, which is exactly why you should never drink and drive. I mean, if you worked one night in an emergency department resuscitation room and saw the kind of gory injuries people end up with, you'd never let anyone get behind the wheels when they're intoxicated. The next part of your brain to go is your limbic system, which regulates your emotions. Without that control, people's emotions just bubble to the surface without any filter. Which is why you get the classic giggly drunks, and the sad mopey drunks, and the angry violent drunks. Then your cerebellum goes to sleep. Now this is the part of your brain that controls your balance and motor coordination. You start feeling your head spin, you start stumbling as you lose balance. Your speech starts to slur and you walk with this wide stance which in medicine we call ataxia. Funnily, these are exactly the same symptoms we look for in people who've had a stroke in their cerebellum. We even teach medical students to imagine a person drunk off their face if they're looking for cerebellar signs. If you drink even more than this, then a tiny part of your brain called the hippocampus gets switched off. The hippocampus, named after a mythical beast that is half horse, half fish, sorry, I digress, is where memory is formed. And this is why people don't always remember what they did on a night out drinking, or they have blackouts, because their brains literally stopped forming memories due to alcohol. Now, I hope this is the most drunk you've ever been, but of course, we can go deeper. With enough alcohol, you can turn off even the most important functions of the brain. Eventually, your brainstem, the part of your brain that literally keeps you alive, starts to drift off to sleep. If this happens, then you stop breathing spontaneously, you don't protect your own airway meaning that you can choke on your own vomit, and your heart rate might even drop until it stops. If you don't get medical attention, you will end up in a coma, and then the cold embrace of death will come for you. Ah yes, classic gin. Always bringing it back to death. You know, complete tangent, but back when I was studying for my part 1 exams, we had a running joke that when we got asked about the side effect of any drug, or the complication of any disease, we would immediately start with, oh, death. Anyway, sorry for being a killjoy, but alcohol really does kill in lots of creative ways. Because what did you expect when you're intentionally poisoning your body? So drink responsibly. Alright. Well, now that sermon's over, we'll take a short break while you look back on all your crazy nights out in your youth, or last Friday night. When we're back, we'll dial it back a bit and talk more about why we feel so terribly hungover the day after we drink a lot. And we're back. Alright, I feel like I'm already really, really selling how awesome alcohol is. Not. So let's carry on and talk about the awesome part that comes the morning after. The hangover. It's such an awful phenomenon that there's even a trilogy of average comedy movies named after it. For those of you who have had the fortune of never experiencing a hangover, let me tell you what it feels like. After a big night out with a lot of drinking, you wake up the next day and you feel... ugh, crap. 
You feel like someone's dried you out like a raisin overnight. Your skin just feels like fire all over. You have a pounding headache, you feel sick, you might even vom. Depending on how old you are, you might spend anywhere from the morning to the whole day and evening feeling like a zombie. Barely able to stomach anything, head full of haziness and blurry memories from the night before. Ugh, so glam. So, why do we get hangovers? And more importantly, how can we prevent them? Well, turns out hangovers can't be blamed on just one thing, other than your decision to drink too much, of course. The first culprit is dehydration. When people go out drinking, they rarely drink enough water, because, well, you're drinking plenty of fluids already, right? Well, the problem is that alcoholic drinks often make you more dehydrated, because they either have plenty of sugar in them, or the alcohol itself makes your kidneys waste more water through urine. This is why if you have good friends, they force you to chug a lot of water before you go to sleep after a night out. The second is electrolyte imbalance. Your blood is salty, and the various salts all serve important functions like making your nerves function. When you get dehydrated, you lose a lot of these salts, and then you lose even more when you're vomiting up everything because you've been pumping your stomach full of poison. Yeah, I mean, that's seriously why you vomit after drinking, because your liver is all Dude, what the hell? This stuff is nasty. Third, speaking of your liver, your liver tries its darn hardest to break down the poison, which is alcohol, so it can get it out of the bloodstream. To do this, it uses two enzymes, which are basically protein machines, to break down alcohol into something called acetaldehyde, and then into acetic acid, which is literally vinegar. Now, if acetaldehyde sounds nasty, that's because it is. Acetaldehyde is the reason why you feel real crap when you're hungover. It makes you nauseated, makes your skin all flushed, gives you palpitations and headaches, and even makes you feel short of breath. It takes a while for your body to break it down into vinegar, so you have to suffer until it does. Now, I'm trying to keep things simple, but acetaldehyde is an important word to remember because it'll come up in the next section, so keep an ear out. The last reason hangovers make you feel bad is... Remember how I said alcohol acts as a downer and shuts down your nervous system? Well, turns out your body doesn't like being messed around, so it adjusts. After it realizes it's being kept asleep, the nerves will wake up when the alcohol wears off and they start overcompensating, which essentially gives you a rebound stimulation. This is why when you're hungover, you feel oddly agitated and jittery and bright lights and loud sounds really bother you. So putting this all together, a hangover is pretty much your body telling you, congratulations, you played yourself, and punishing you for poisoning it. But now that you know what causes it, we can also fight hangovers. The first step is obvious. Drink less booze. I mean, Jesus, it's not rocket science. But other than the obvious, the other important thing is to drink as much water during the night out, and then the day after to get rehydrated ASAP. Try to eat foods that replenish your electrolyte stores and energy. Bananas and electrolyte drinks like Enerlite and Pedialyte help, but not Powerade or Gatorade because of the sugar content. There's been some good research showing that bacon sandwiches are excellent hangover cures too. If you don't normally drink alcohol, then this episode is really not meant to make you want to drink. You can tell that I'm not sponsored by any booze companies, right? Now just to add to the fun, let's talk about one other fun thing alcohol can cause for some people. Asian flush. You might have noticed that some Asian people go bright red in their face even after a sip of alcohol. I mean, this happens to my dad, he literally turns crimson after one beer. 
This is a very well-described phenomenon called Asian flush syndrome. Yeah, very imaginative name. Despite the name, not all Asians suffer from this. I'm Korean, but luckily I inherited my mum's genes and never get Asian flush. Oh, thank god. Funnily, I've never been breathalyzed because the cops see my clean, non-beetroot face and assume I haven't been drinking. Also because I don't drink and drive because nobody freaking should. That's kind of a repeated message for today. I'm sorry for all the PSAs. Anyway, remember how we talked about acetaldehyde causing hangovers? Well, turns out for many Asians, they have a genetic variation where their livers process alcohol differently. You're probably thinking that people who get Asian flush go red because they get drunk fairly quickly because they can't break down alcohol. But you'd be wrong, it's actually the opposite. Turns out for a lot of Asians, they have a special version of the first enzyme that breaks down alcohol, called alcohol dehydrogenase, and this enzyme works extra hard. Yeah, turns out even our enzymes are hardworking. Because alcohol dehydrogenase breaks alcohol down to acetaldehyde, if it's overactive, then you rapidly break down the alcohol. This means that you feel the effect of alcohol much less, so you can drink lots and not feel drunk. But instead, you build up acetaldehyde much quicker. Because the second enzyme can't keep up, the acetaldehyde just piles up. That's why people with Asian flush get the characteristic red skin while feeling sick and nauseated and headachey. It's like they skip having the fun buzz of alcohol and go straight into a hangover state. Woo. Funnily enough, this effect is so powerful that many people with Asian flush syndrome end up having lower rates of alcoholism because they just don't want to drink. Now, some clever scientists picked up on this fact ages ago and came up with a way to reproduce the effect in people who don't normally get Asian flush syndrome. If you take a medicine called disulfiram, it will slow down the second enzyme which breaks down acetaldehyde into vinegar. So it's working on a different enzyme to Asian flush, but the end result is the same. More buildup of acetaldehyde. Now why in the world would you intentionally cause a hangover in people? I mean, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemies. But turns out it's surprisingly effective in helping people with chronic alcoholism, because they don't want alcohol as much while on disulfiram, because it makes them feel so incredibly sick. Ah, oh, the joys of medicine. Well, after all that depressing, sickening talk of the negative effects, I feel like I need a drink. I mean, don't get me wrong, alcohol isn't all bad. As long as you drink responsibly and in moderation. I mean, I sure love having a glass of wine with dinner or having a beer with friends. There's plenty of research showing that in moderation, alcohol can help reduce blood pressure, improve your cardiovascular health, improve your sex life, and overall just chill you out. God knows it makes first dates and awkward parties and events more relaxed and smooth and fun. Hell, even elephants and birds have been observed intentionally eating fermented fruit just to get drunk, stumbling around the jungle. I mean, just don't drink too much, because it can also cause fatal injuries, chronic liver failure, dementia, broken relationships, weight gain, and erectile dysfunction. So, all the fun things. <laughs> Killjoy Jin strikes again! <laughs> if it helps, I wrote most of this podcast while swilling cocktails while on vacation, so clearly I condone some healthy drinking. Okay, so other than here's all the ways drinking too much sucks, what did we learn today? First, we learned that alcohol works as a depressant, or a downer, on our nervous system. It powers down our brain. Second, 
we learned that this means that we think less, making us very short-sighted and not thinking about long-term consequences or the future, just what's happening now, which can be good but also bad. Third, we learned that hangovers and Asian flushes are caused by the waste product of alcohol, acetaldehyde, and you can use the science to turn alcoholics away from wanting to drink. Fourth, despite all the bad effects of alcohol, like all things in life, if we use it in moderation, it can really add to our lives. Lastly, if you use it irresponsibly, you could straight up die. Or at the very least, you'll end up with broken bones, broken livers, broken brains, and a broken life. Oh, and hopefully by now, you've picked up the fact that you should never, ever, ever drink and drive. Please. But seriously, alcohol can be such an awesome thing as long as you use it carefully. So go out there and enjoy a beer with your mates, a glass of wine with your dinner, or a fine whiskey or cocktail over a deep and meaningful conversation with your date. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Explain This. I hope you've learned something interesting and maybe even useful today. I'll try to explain something a little bit happier and less depressing next week. Maybe. Until then, drink responsibly and have fun. Explain This was written and hosted by me, Jen Kim. If you'd like to suggest a topic or just send a lovely message, you can email me at explainthiscast at gmail.com or follow me on Facebook or Twitter 